You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Dang it. Dang it, dang it, dang it. I was trying not to yawn. I actually was doing good, and then it, it like, dawned on me, hey, I usually yawn now, and I'm doing well, and that just, like, triggered it. You know, you just think yawn early in the morning, and it's like, oh, yeah, good idea. We should do that. It's like, no. I want to do one intro where I don't have the urge to yawn. Anyways, happy uh, Saturday-ish. Very sorry about missing the podcast yesterday. I just, I cannot get up. Today is the same thing. Um, I'm hoping I get this done. I don't know. We got to fly. I I slept, I set like a 3 o'clock, 3.10, 3.15, 3.30, 3.45, 4.00. All of a sudden I wake up, it's 5.30. And my phone's like, hey, you missed this alarm and this alarm and this. It's like, I just, you're fired, dude. I know it's not my phone's fault, but I just feel like it is a massive failure. You know, I don't know. I don't know. What do I pay you for? It's not just for the games and hours of entertainment on YouTube and Hulu. and You know, I mean, I, I feel like that one time I paid for you, you you know, talking several hundred dollars. should be able to wake me up. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm selfish. I don't know. Um, but I am sorry I didn't get the podcast out to you yesterday. Very similar situation. The problem is, um, once the baby starts waking up and the wife starts waking up, it's like, hey, I need help, I need help, I need help. And so it's like, all right, I'm going to go take care of it. And then you got to hold the baby for a half hour. Then you give her back to the wife when she starts crying. And then you start to run back downstairs. And the baby only eats for like, feels like 15 seconds and then it's like all right you got to take the baby because i got to go back to sleep it's like dang it so got time constraints man meaning i have to start getting back up at three o'clock but i can't do that anyways today we are talking about the green bay packers and the minnesota vikings i know it feels like we've done that 70 billion trillion times but i would like to do it as specifically as possible um mostly looking, um, well, I guess we'll start with the injuries and whatnot, but I want to look at things like alignments. I want to look at, um, I want to try to get away from the theoretical a little bit because we've been doing that a lot. Um, I just had, uh, I feel like this is this is a morning routine. I wake up and somebody sends me something on Twitter. Uh, Dami23 on Twitter sent me um, Adam Schefter. I, I haven't watched it yet, but he's Let's see, the, the title of it is Adam Schefter Argue Where Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur Relationship Stands. On top of, I was listening to, all I wanted, I'm not I'm not seeking this stuff out, man. It was PFT Live, and I, I know, that's my fault. What are you listening to PFT Live for? You're an idiot. I get it. But I just, it's NFL Week 1 preview, and I, I just want to bathe in this stuff. You know, I want to hear all the perspectives. I want to know about all the teams and all these different things, you know. And I, it, I feel like they've been talking 20 minutes about why the Packers are frauds, and it's the same stupid arguments. And I don't want to just come back on here every day and tell you why the same arguments are wrong. Again, you get it, and I need to move on. Grow up, right? 
but I can't help it. It's like I want to just scream at not just Mike Florio, but Sims, who's on the other side, that apparently loves Aaron Rodgers, but can't seem to find an argument against Florio because it's like he worships Florio. It's pathetic. And it's just, it's just, I'm just, I don't know, man. I, I've said it a thousand times. It's, it's, it's entirely possible we lose this game. Anything can happen. There are some arguments against the Green Bay Packers having a good season. I think every single one of those and more um, speak for the Vikings. But I just I just really want to win this game, and I would like it to be not very close, which is pretty unlikely because as, as early as it is and as little practice as it is, I think it would be just getting a W and not having a bunch of really devastating injuries um, is about as, as greedy as I should get about this game. But I'm going to get greedy anyways and say I want to win by like 15 to 20 points and then just scream in everybody's face how stupid and insufferable they've been for months. And we've had to suffer through everybody's BS for months and months and months. And it's not even a good argument. I mean, my good, if, if we were fourth in the division last year and everybody's like, look, I just don't really see it getting better. I don't think you added any weapons. You didn't really do anything. You got a, a quarterback that's not going to play. You got a running back that's not going to play. You got a tight end that maybe is going to contribute a little bit. You got a linebacker that's injured. I mean, you know, I just don't see it. Fine. 13 and 3, first in the division. And everyone's like, eh, I don't know. You haven't added anything. So I think you're going to be, you know, second, third, fourth in the division. That, that just doesn't make sense. <sighs> see, I can't stop, man. Should I watch the video? Should I watch this Adam Schefter thing? I feel like I should. I we really got to get to some other stuff. But hey, you know what? I'm I'm gonna do it. I'm just gonna do it. I want to know what it says. It's a pretty long video, so maybe we'll do a play-by-play here. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. So far, huge matchup between the Packers and Vikings. I think that's a fair analysis. <laughs> it just oh, I mean, I can't be mad at at computers, I guess. But it's it, so the guy just said. Something to the effect of the Packers swept the division. They were 13-3. and three, da, 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 da. Our analytics computer division, whatever, gives the Vikings just 53% chance of winning. As though, like, it's shocking how close the Packers could be. Show me. I mean, garbage in, garbage out, right? It's not a computer's fault if you are putting in such stupid information that on the other side pops out Vikings win. Is it all just home field advantage? Because they are very good at home, aside from that one time the Packers stomped their faces in, in, you know, at home. I'm just curious. I just, I would just like to know what information you're using. If it's, if it's that strong of home field, and that's probably what it. Because I was looking at uh, a bunch of like against the spread type information, but the problem is you have to have a spread in order for it to be. I don't know. Anyways, all right, all right. I'm done. Hold on. Hold just. Let me just play it for you. Oh my goodness! So, I'm I'm just gonna play what I've listened to this this whole segment, and then we'll move on because this these people make a living doing this. So here here is the first part that they said that I thought was strange. Right? Ready? Here it comes. Meanwhile, let's talk about a huge matchup this weekend: Green Bay and Minnesota divisional rivals, and a huge matchup this week. The Packers will be on the road. Both teams made the playoffs last year. Green Bay swept the season series. Our analytics, our football power index, give Minnesota just a 53% chance of winning the game. So that equates to a one-point favorite. Okay, so if that sounded like an abrupt cut, it's because it was. Because he immediately transitions somehow. Keep in mind, right? So 
Packers were much better last year. They once swept the division. Therefore, the Vikings are going to win. Hard transition to this. So, Diana Rossini, I know you have a lot of insight into this, and so much has been made of Aaron Rodgers' relationship with Matt LaFleur. What are you hearing as they begin year two? Well, you heard the other day Aaron Rodgers say that he and Matt LaFleur are hashtag friendship goals, which anyone that has a best friend in their life, you don't tweet hashtag friendship goals. I don't think that's how you describe a friendship that's actually true. So to me, it's Aaron Rodgers' way of sort of deflecting the fact that it has been a bit rocky. What? What What are we? What? I, I didn't listen anymore, and I'm not going to listen anymore. Because what are we talking about right now? Talk about deflecting. Trying to talk about a football. I'm, I'm sitting here. Ready to I pouring through different bits of information and data about this game and, and trying to come up with some you know know nothing game plan because because obviously I'm not a head coach, but I'm I'm really trying to come up with the best possible thoughts and conclusions about how to win these games for both teams so we can attack da 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 right? ESPN apparently spit some garbage into a machine. The machine said the Vikings are one-point favorites, so they say that, and then they roll into... Aaron Rodgers said that him and Matt LaFleur are getting along great, which is what he's said for, like, a year, and um, there's no reason to doubt that because they've been extremely friendly. There's been no clashing. There's been nothing... Nothing. The only problem between Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur has been... In the dreams of the media. You know those those little memes or whatever? Where there's like a guy laying in bed kind of looking off and there's his wife or whatever staring at him angrily. And there's a little cloud above her head saying, I bet she's thinking about somebody else. I bet you he's thinking about somebody else and he's like thinking about video games or whatever. That's That's basically it. Except it's the media daydreaming instead of another woman... About Aaron Rodgers getting into a fist fight with Matt LaFleur. Like, that is their their ultimate dream in life. And I don't, I don't get it. Like, how are we still here? Again, it all just comes down, same with the Packers not being the best in the division. I don't care if it's real. I talked all the time about the problems with Mike McCarthy and, you know, just ad nauseum. That entire season, I was droning on about how horrible all these things were and how toxic the locker room was and how something's just not right. How these guys, they don't even celebrate after a touchdown. There's something fundamentally wrong here. I'm not opposed to saying the words, but my goodness, give me some information. I mean, actual, real information. Give me something. There's nothing. This is This is where we're at right now. We are... Basically hours away from football at this point. And we're talking about Aaron Rodgers tweeted hashtag friendship goals. And like, totally, you don't even do that. Like, if it's real. Like, I I have friends. Like, so many friends. You don't even know. And like, they don't even do that. Like, that's... He's totally, like, faking it. So, like, I bet they don't even like each other. I mean, I feel like I'm watching Clueless. I mean, I'm, I'm literally watching Clueless people, but I'm talking about the movie. For those that haven't seen it, go on YouTube and just type in Clueless or the movie. I don't know if that's even going to pop up. I'm sure you'll get a little bit of an insight into what I'm talking about. 
it's a movie making fun of, you know, Valley Girl, know-nothing airheads. These are people that get paid a lot of money to live and breathe football. Ugh! I don't even know where Adam Schefter comes into this. There's some kind of a panel. I'm not watching it. I don't care. I just, I don't know. Again, I'm not saying I want to get hired by ESPN because I don't. I'm just saying, and it's not even about me. Pick any, go into the Packernet Podcast Facebook group, close your eyes, reach in, grab a name, hire that guy for ESPN or that lady for ESPN, because I promise you, you're going to get at least as good of analysis about the Green Bay Packers as this. And, and, and now I know why. When I do podcasts and things, and I actually come out with, with my own information, when I actually go out and say, how good is Yannick Ngakwe, and I investigate it, and I pull it all together, and I'm even surprised, because I thought he was really good too, because that's what I've always heard, I know why there's such a visceral reaction. Because the only information some people get is digesting ESPN for 24 hours a day. And when you hear over and over and over ESPN, NFL Network, the same moron saying the same thing over and 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 over, and you get some nobody podcaster saying Yannick's not that good, you just get this this pool of zombies coming after you. And it's like, wait a minute, what's I can tell when I'm going contrary to what the media has been saying for four or five years straight. I can tell because it strikes a nerve. And it makes sense. I mean, if, if, if you're one of those people that sits around and watches ESPN all day long, I mean, I'm basically calling 50% of your existence useless, and that's not very nice. But, I mean, it is what it is. You may as well have spend those hours just staring at, you know, the wall. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's actual, like, breaking news and stuff that you can get, but you don't need ESPN for that. You got Twitter, which, I mean, Twitter's worse than ESPN as an entity. It's it's the worst thing that I'm that I'm aware of, <laughs> you know? Outside of, like, horrible org- organizations and whatnot. I mean, in terms of, like, companies or whatever, I don't know. It's it's not good. But if you need breaking news, why in the world would you be on television? Like, I'm going to turn on the TV, see what's new. Dude, just follow Ian Rappaport. If there's anything of note, you're going to find out in... I mean, he's going to tweet it out about a half a second before the guy's knee snaps. He's perfected the art of that. You're going to find out a week before somebody gets a contract that they're about to get a contract. I just, I don't get it. Just stop watching it. It's stupid. There's no reason to watch it. I don't know. If you want to watch it, that's fine. But please don't let these people inform your decisions. Don't let them tell you what's right and wrong. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to let me... Just figure it out for yourself. Oh, just... See, this is what happens. I shouldn't have watched the video. Got a lot to do today, and we haven't even got it started. Um... I don't know if I should even go there. I probably shouldn't. I, I... I only recorded about 20 minutes yesterday, and I deleted the whole thing because not only was I never going to finish that episode, I never really even got started because it was just angry ranting. And it wasn't like this angry ranting. It was angry ranting at the world angry ranting. And, you know, I said I would keep it concise, and then I didn't. I don't know. I'm just going to say this, and then you do what you want with it. Very simple. It's, It's, let's call it an exercise. An exercise in saving the country. (laughs) Or the world, for that matter. This is not a United States problem. It's an everybody is a moron problem. There's a lot of talk about conversations happening in this country, which is hilarious, because I've never seen a conversation happen in this country. Not in a very long time. Not on social media. Ever. Have you ever seen a conversation? I'm talking about conversing. 
like a debate, like back and forth, sharing ideas. Maybe on Facebook, zero times on Twitter. Literally zero. There are no conversations. Here's how a conversation happens, and I would encourage all of you to go have a conversation somewhere. Try it on Twitter. See what happens. See if, if, it's, if it's a possibility. It's hard because, you know, conversations are more long form and Twitter is not built for that. It's short, snarky, moronic comments are the only things allowed on there. A conversation begins when you can articulate the other side's position in such a way that they would agree that, yes, that is what I believe, and they can do the same for you. That's where it starts, and nobody can even do that. That's, that's your goal. That's your assignment for the day. You are not allowed, if, if you're interested in, in trying to be a better person or whatever, if you're not, fine, just stop saying you are. Because it's hilarious that 99% of people on Twitter scream about how great of people they are and how they just don't like bad people, but yet they just have bad behavior the whole time. It's just just hilarious. But let's, let's try to be a little bit better. You're not allowed to straw man somebody to death. An example of what I'm talking about. Hey... I believe the Packers are going to win the division. Oh, so you're a mass-murdering psychopath. Cool. Bye, block. Look how great I am. I just blocked a mass-murdering psychopath. Everybody love me. Like, share, retweet, blah, 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 blah. I'm famous now. I'm awesome. I'm just the wonderfulest person in the world. <laughs> that's, that's stupidity, okay? That's number one. That's cowardice because you're scared of ideas and beliefs and you're scared of being proven wrong, clearly, because you won't even engage with their ideas. That's intellectual weakness, right? It, it's, it's your own brain and body saying, hey, we're too stupid to engage with this, and I'm scared that they're going to tell me something that I don't believe, and rather than actually have the correct opinion, I just want to be validated in my opinion, because facts aren't what I care about. What I want to be real is what I care about. So I'm going to block all the other opinions. If that's not the case, then just go interact with those ideas. It's very straightforward. And this is true politically. This is true in sports. This is true everywhere. There are people that just want things to be true. I, I experienced it with the Yannick thing. The, the kinds of arguments I was getting were just nonsense. And you can, you can tell very clearly there are some people who believe it and some people who just refuse to hear anything other than what they want to hear. And they're not even trying to come with rational arguments. I talked about the statistics and how it's very clear some people actually want the truth and some people just want their opinions said back to them. Don't be the second person. Don't be that person. There's nothing good is going to come of your life if you refuse to acknowledge reality. I promise you, believing gravity doesn't exist maybe won't have any negative repercussions, but there's a very good possibility it's going to negatively impact your life somewhere along the line. Try it out. That's all I'm saying. Just go try it. The next time somebody says something that upsets you, interact with what exactly they're saying. Don't, don't say, this is what you mean to say, and, and then I hate those people. That's weakness and cowardice. Stop that. And I'm, I'm begging and pleading this with you because I go on Twitter to get some information, and I see this all day long, back and forth. And I just see stupid back, responding to stupid, responding to stupid, until stupid blocks stupid, and then runs back to the pile of stupid people, and they all pat that stupid person on the back because they're all stupid and I'm tired of it. I'm tired of everybody being dumb and it would just warm my heart to see human beings having conversations with human beings rather than just being morons and then talking about how we're having conversations in this country. No, we're not. You're not having any conversations with anybody. Stop saying that. You're too scared to have a conversation. Anyways, conversation. 
<sighs> All right, I'm done. I did it. I did it, everyone. I cut it short, and, and this is actually the second time I recorded this because I went way down. Just It was like 15 minutes, and I deleted it, and I tried it again for the third time. I'm good with it. Again, that's your exercise for the day. When somebody says something you're mad about, no straw man. Only their ideas, as they state them, can you interact with, period. Okay? Bingo. Thumbs up. Um, anyways, as I sit here, thank you very much to Jordan Woodward for the Patreon, um, for jumping on the Patreon bandwagon. I really, really appreciate that. I've had uh, a bunch of support recently, uh, not necessarily financial, but a lot of people just reaching out. I had Jeremy, for example, on Twitter write up a big thing, just, just, just general support, you know? Sometimes when you're doing this every day, all day, and, you know, the, the numbers are more flat than you like, and you get all these ideas of how things are going to be huge, and by next year it's going to be this many thousands of listeners, and I'm going to be making this much, and everything. You just have all these ideas, and then none of it happens, and it's you kind of just get into this rut where it's like, I don't know, this is just a thing I do. So, I don't know, it's just nice to see people as invested as they are. So, thanks to, to Jeremy and Jordan and anybody else that's helped in any way, however. Right? Some people are actually helping with the show, whether it's calling in with questions, comments, whatever. I just I appreciate the whole thing. But anyways, um, why don't we take a break, and then what I want to do again is kind of just look from the standpoint of game planning. Um, usually today what I would do is a little bit different. I'd be analyzing a lot more data about the team, but everything that I have about the Vikings obviously is from last year, and that's not as important. So I kind of want to just see the teams as they are with the information that I have available to me and kind of just build some game plans for Packers and for the Vikings. You know, what is the path to victory for the Packers and what's the path to victory for the Vikings, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a fun little exercise, but uh, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. So real quick before we get started, and I'm, listen, I think it's going to be a long episode, so I'm letting myself be as long-winded on this nonsense as possible. But very quickly, I just want to talk about the Chiefs-Texans. I forgot to do that. The only real comment I have, um, well, there, there's two. Um, I had, let me look, it was Jared, JT Whitlow on Twitter. Um, he had reached out and mentioned about Pat Mahomes and was talking about whether or not he might be overrated. And I, I guess I don't really know. I haven't maybe watched enough to... I, I think it's possible because highlight real throws, throwing off your back foot is great, but it doesn't necessarily tell the whole picture. I, I don't think he is, but I would have to invest a lot more time that I'm not willing to do. But I will say this one thing about that. I don't think Andy Reid gets anywhere near the amount of credit that he should. And he gets a good amount of credit. But when I watched that game, the one thing that really stood out wasn't really Pat Mahomes' talented arm. It was the play calling. And just the play designs. The one play that completely stood out to me that just blew me away. And I, I, you know, the terminology just don't even, don't expect much from me. But you'd have a wide receiver running, and I'm talking offensive side of the ball, running to the left side of the field. Then as he gets to the quarterback, he loops back and sprints to the right, and then they snap the ball. Immediately, the defense sees that and starts running to that direction. At which point, somebody on the right side starts sprinting to the left side which makes you think this is a trick play. They want us to think it's to the right, but it's actually to the left. So you got some guys sprinting to the right. You got another group of people on the defense sprinting to the left, trying to cover these two things. And what do they do? 
He throws a quick pass to Travis Kelsey, their best receiver, I believe, on this team, right in the middle of the defense where there's nobody. Because all the safeties and all of the linebackers have vacated the middle of the field to go cover these two guys that are that are sprinting quickly to this side, and they're trying to cover their tracks to make sure that they don't they don't leave that open. Now, that's no disrespect to Pat Mahomes, but you don't get credit for that. Travis Kelsey doesn't get even credit for that. That's Andy Reid. And so many times with, with the Chiefs, what, what I'm seeing is a defense that's just reeling, right? They're just trying to figure out what in the world is going on. And that's similar with Sean McVay, or Sean McVay, maybe, I don't know, uh, Kyle Shanahan. And that's also similar to, I mean, different kinds of plays for sure, but that's similar to what Matt LaFleur is trying to build. But I, I just think Andy Reid deserves a ton of credit for, for some of the, the designs that he comes up with. Almost every single play and every single completion, whether or not it's a good pass, and some of them are just complete dimes, there's, there's always a methodology behind the play that just makes sense, right? The, the Early on, there was that, I think, the first touchdown that got called back as a non-touchdown. When you had Tyreek Hill using his speed to basically go from the left side, streaking across to the right side, drawing the safety because they're terrified of his speed, vacating the, the lone safety, right, because it's single high safety. So we pull him to the right side of the field, leaving this guy who's running a double move straight down the field he gets a half a step on this defender there's no safety over the top it's an easy decision now it's maybe not the easiest throw but i do think there's 10 15 maybe 20 quarterbacks all quarterbacks are expected to make that throw there's probably 20 that that make that most of the time again pat mahomes maybe nine times out of ten maybe he's more accurate than everybody else i don't know but andy reed absolutely deserves a ridiculous amount of credit because again Watch the Chiefs and watch the opponent's defense and look how they're just constantly in the wrong spot. Not because the defense has just magically become stupid when they play the Chiefs, but because Andy Reid just completely gets them into a... a, they just got their heads spinning. Um, Beyond that, I I, I do think it's a little bit funny, and I understand, and I'm probably going to do this too. If the Packers lose, I'm going to end up falling into this trap, but, but it's funny to me how... We all come into this realizing it's a Thursday night game, it's week one, there's been no preseason, we can't expect the best from everybody, and at the end of this game, when the best team in the NFL beats the the Texans by a pretty reasonable margin, the number one consensus is the Texans are terrible, they're going to be last in the division, this is the worst team I've ever seen, they're so horrible. It's like, wait a minute, what happened to these teams aren't practiced yet? I mean, isn't that somewhat expected? I mean, they, first of all, they're expected to lose. Everybody thought the Chiefs would win, and they did. And it wasn't like 52 to 4. Yeah, I said 4. I mean, it was, what was it, 34 to 20? They're expected to lose by, I think, 9. I don't know. I, I honestly was, was more encouraged by it than not. One of the reasons I said I, I thought, although the Texans could win, is that they would lose, is because they're kind of operating with new things. They got a new running back they got to figure out how to incorporate. They've got three new wide receivers, as well as their number one wide receivers gone. So they've got a bunch of new pieces they have to learn how to utilize. And we saw Cooks come into play. We saw David Johnson do a really solid job, despite having not a very good offensive line. I, I feel like it was it was more encouraging than not, despite the loss. And, and either way, we got to remind ourselves what we just got done saying prior to that game, that week one is not telling us everything about the season. And I know that's how it feels, right? If the Packers go 0-1, it's like, season's over, it's the worst thing ever. And I'm, I'm telling you, if we lose, there's a good chance on Monday I'm going to be a little bit more dark than I should be because I'm going to be very upset. But we, we have to understand that it's a little silly. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Texans are, I mean, they're not going to be, li- I mean, that's ridiculous. But, you know, third in the division is very reasonable, but it doesn't have to be. We'll see what happens. Let's give them a little bit of time here. Goodness gracious. All right. Finally, 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 here we go. The 
injury report. I have been trying to figure this out since forever because I can't find the Vikings listing any injuries. But apparently, that's because there are none. I don't know. Obviously, Daniil Hunter is injured, but they put him on IR. So as far as an injury report, IR people aren't included in that. They're saying we're fully healthy. So basically just look at who's on IR. Those are the people not playing. Everybody else is a full go. Uh, as for the Packers for the Friday, the final um, injury report, you have Montrevious is doubtful. Billy Turner is doubtful. Randy Ramsey is out. So again... I don't see too much that makes me really nervous. I am kind of nervous about the right tackle spot because I feel like Wagner should have won that outright, and he didn't, and I don't know why. And I'm really hoping, although it seems unlikely, because I want to give the Packers coaches more credit than me sitting here in my basement, um, but I can't help but feel like that's the better of the outcomes anyways and that they are just overzealous about how great Billy Turner is and are just completely blinded to the fact that he's clearly our worst offensive lineman. But anyways, um, Oren Burks was full participation most of the time anyways. I don't know how much that's going to matter, but if we end up using another linebacker, it'll be Burks. Raven Green is questionable. He's been limited all week. I do expect him to play. We'll see. I think Mike Patton really feels like he's a big part of this defense. Um, And then Mercedes Lewis is going to be on the injury report all year. Basically, he's on a whole veteran rest thing. His designation is NIR. I don't know what that means. I'm going to take a swing at it and say non-injured rest, something to that effect. I don't know. But uh, didn't practice Thursday. Full participation Friday. So he's he's fine. Just giving the old man some rest. But I want to look at this um, largely from the standpoint of the Vikings' current roster. Right, there's been a lot of talk from Vikings fans about, well, we drafted Jeff Gladney and Cam Dantzler, and that's all blah, blah, blah. They're not the starting corners. So we're going to be going up against Mike Hughes and Holton Hill. And, you know, again, Vikings fans will say that Mike Hughes is this top-tier cornerback, despite the fact that he couldn't even get on the field over the guys that are currently departed. So the cornerback situation is not great. The Packers' ability to throw the ball is going to be... Uh, Let's just say I don't expect that to be a really big problem, especially as far as Devontae Adams is concerned. So we could look at it and simply say, despite, you know, some really top-tier safeties, we should have the ability to throw the ball. Um, I don't know if with ease is really fair, but compared to some of the other people we've gone up against and have managed to throw the ball against, I don't, I don't see that as much of a challenge. The other hindrance to that would be pass rush, right? If we can't get the ball out quick enough or whatever... That could be a bit of a problem. Well, with Daniil Hunter out, that leaves Yannick Ngakwe, and apparently they're going to be putting Yannick on the Daniil Hunter side, which is the defensive left side, the offensive right side, up against Rick Wagner. Rick Wagner has gone up against much better pass rushers than Yannick Ngakwe, but even if they choose not to do so, they've got running back help, they've got tight end help. Basically, you make that the strong side of the formation. You put extra help on that side, which means Odenigbo, who is not a good pass rusher, is going up against one of the best pass-blocking offensive linemen in the NFL, David Bakhtiari, or Bakatari, as these geniuses in uh, the media like to call him. Some people say that. I'm serious. So, again, throwing the ball, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to paint a picture that they're going to be able to do whatever they want at will. They're, I think the best-case scenario for the Vikings in this regard is to stick with the idea that Devontae is the only real weapon they have in the past game and we're going to take him away. Therefore, you have a guy like, for example, Harris will come down and help support him. And what you do is you take Hill and Harris. Hill is your second best cornerback, I'm assuming. 
you put him on Devante. You put Harris also on Devante. Then you have Hughes on Lazard, and you say, we like our chances there. So we take away Devante. We've got Hughes covering Lazard. We've got Kendricks covering any tight ends or anything. You know, our linebackers can handle that coming out of the backfield. We've shut it down. It's possible, and that's where the Packers have to rise above. We need Alan Lazard or MVS or whoever to be able to overcome subpar slash mediocre cornerbacks. You have to be able to do that. Our tight ends need to be able to step up and become weapons. Because if they're just subpar nobodies, then yeah, this this becomes a problem. However, there's another way that we can attack the Vikings, which is the other thing that sometimes offenses do. It's called running the football. And if they're going to take their strong safety and put them over on Devontae, and we're able to use our tight ends to kind of deflect linebackers, the next obvious thing would be to run the ball. While we do all that stuff, and we have all these other guys out in yonder world's trying to cover wide receivers, we have our offensive line of Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Lindsley, Taylor, and Wagner going up against Ngakwe, Johnson, Stefan, and Odenigbo. I've mentioned several times how Yannick Ngakwe is one of the worst run-defending uh, pass rushers in football, and the, uh, the real benefit of that, as I said, is you put him over on the right side of the offensive line, that forces us to make that the strong side, which works kind of as a, as a double-edged sword, and that's not how you use that phrase, but... It, it serves two purposes. Number one, it means Yannick is going to have a real hard time getting to the quarterback. Number two, it means if and when we decide to run to that side, we not only have a lot of beef over there, but you have one of the worst run-defending pass rushers in football. So you don't even need the extra beef, but you take Wagner, he uh, annihilates Yannick Ngakwe. Then you have your, your tight end who's over there, which isn't suspicious because we keep him over there to block. It's not like, oh, they're running to that side. You got Tanyan or Mercedes or whoever's on that side, get up to the next level, be able to block, and it just becomes a, a pretty easy sit. Man, I just got a vision of A.J. Dillon running the ball, and it got me so excited. I'm just picturing wide open holes in this freight train coming through and just smacking Harrison Smith right in the throat. I don't know how his helmet will fit in his throat, but I just, you know, I don't want to hurt him. I just, you know, something violent to happen and Harrison Smith is fine. Oh, I'm so excited right now. I don't even know if he's going to get a single snap, but I just want to see it one time. Just give me one time. The Enforcer, man. Forget the juice or the sauce or whatever stupid name he has, man. That's, that's the Enforcer right there. Even Jamal. Just Jamal's a banger, too. I'm not trying to count out Aaron. He's going to do most of the, the carving this defense up, and he's all, you know, the slippery stuff and all that, but... All the, all the trash talk, and granted, it's maybe not the Vikings team as much as it is the Vikings fans, but I want the Vikings fans to just sit there and watch this defense that they feel as this top-tier defense. And there's a lot of talent, and there's a lot of history, and there's a lot of pride in this defense. I want to see this defense not just lose, but play scared for their lives. To be the less physical side of the ball just would make me so happy. But that's that's the problem the Vikings are going to have. What do you do about that situation? And that's what the Packers have to do is get them in that that there's no real good solution kind of situation. And that's a benefit to the overall scheme, which is every play looks like it's a run. We want you to assume it's a run and then it could be something else. And that makes it really hard for teams like the Vikings to declare, you know, we're going to put two guys over here. We're going to put, you know, Kendricks is going to cover or Barr is going to cover Tanyan or whoever's going to be our starting tight end. Because if you commit to something and you just say, this is what we're doing, then we just do the other thing and just keep smashing it down your throat. And the problem is, again, for the Vikings, they don't really have, if this was still Daniil Hunter and uh, Everson Griffin and Linval Joseph, they could do that. And they did do that. It didn't do it necessarily successfully. But 
you can easily do that because you can trust these guys with the linebackers you have behind them to be able to handle their business, right? With Kendricks and and the guys that I just listed along the defensive line, they can handle the run. So you go ahead and run, they'll handle their business. Otherwise, you got Barr and our cornerbacks and our safeties are going to handle the rest of this stuff. And it's a good sort of, uh, man, I can't think of any, what, what is the term for that? Split designations. I don't know. There's a thing that I can't think of. But in the current situation, that's not really... It's not really ideal, and, and you kind of need to look at it and say, you know, as much as I'd like Harris to be able to help with Devontae, we kind of need Harris to help in the run game as well. Granted, neither of these guys are, are top-tier run defenders. They're they're really, really solid in coverage, but we, we could use that extra help. So that part of it will be interesting in terms of what the Vikings' initial plan is to attack the Green Bay Packers. The only, Again, the only thing we know is that Yannick Ngakwe is going to be lining up on the offensive right side of our formation. And that, that, I mean, again, it does make sense. That's probably what I would want to do too, but I, I'm just terrified because I know they're just going to want to attack that side, which means we need to bring additional, you know, we need linebackers especially over to that side, but that kind of weakens the other side because it's not exactly like Odenigbo is a great um, run defender either. So we go heavy to that side to help Ngakwe. And what do you got on the other side? You got Alan Lazar in the slot to the other side who's going to be able to, to block as well because we have run-blocking wide receivers. I don't know. It, it, it's just a, a tough spot for the Vikings to be in. Now, again, I mean, it's, it's essentially the Packers to lose in terms of Packers offense, Vikings defense. It's, it's advantage Packers, but you can easily mess this up by guys not playing up to their standards, right? If, if suddenly the offensive line isn't really up to it, they still not run blocking very well. Wagner can't handle Ngakwe. Um, Alan Lazard can't beat uh, Hughes and Devontae's being doubled, then, then we're in trouble. Right, it's it's not a guarantee that we can do it, but the fact of the matter is, if they can just play up to their standards, which isn't a guarantee in week one with no preseason, blah 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 blah, blah but th- this should not be all that difficult. It's the same Vikings defense, except Kendricks is going to regress, Hunter is gone, Everson Griffin is gone, Linval Joseph is gone, Trey Waynes is gone, Xavier Rhodes is gone, Mackenzie Alexander is gone. Otherwise, yeah, same defense, <laughs> you know. And so you know, again. I think being healthy, getting out of this game healthy is is a number one most important thing because we don't need superhuman effort here. Not that there's any real correlation between doing a good job and getting injured. I'm just saying I'm not really worried about it. I'm worried about guys getting hurt and that hurting us long term. I'm not really worried about this defense in week one, despite everybody saying they're they're elite on every level, which is stupidity. And again, even if Yannick Ngakwe is half as good as, as people are making him out to be, he's still got a tough road ahead of him. Again, Rick Wagner is an established right tackle. He's been blocking guys like Khalil Mack for, for a while now. And Daniil Hunter. He's been doing it. Lions right tackle, right? That's been his job, and he's been good at it. With the exception of last year when he was hurt, blah, blah, blah. We can handle that. There's still questions of what else. What's going to happen on Aaron Rodgers' blind side? How are you coming at, at you know, aside from, I know you got your double-A gap blitz with the linebackers or whatever, but that's going to hurt you too because how desperately do you need the linebackers to help you in the passing game? You bring those guys, you better get home. So, again, the Packers are just going to play their offense. The, the question really comes down to how, do the def- how does the Vikings defense stop this? And I, it, it really is going to take a superhuman effort from some of these guys. Yannick Ngakwe really has to play above his ability. You know, he got $12 million. He's worth $12 million. He needs to play like a $20 million pass rusher in this game. But even so, if he gets three sacks in this game, that's three plays. Not to say that it can't be impactful. There might be a fumble. It could be a big third down that gives the other team the ball back. But, I mean, three plays is is 
not necessarily going to win the whole game for you. You need Kendricks to not regress. You need Smith and Harris to have top-tier games. You need Holton Hill and uh, and Mike Hughes to, to play above their ability. These guys have to step up in a really big way to compensate for the losses. And it's possible. It's doable. I'm not counting them out. You know, it's going to be one of those things where we just come into this and it's like, oh, it's going to be a cakewalk and Packers go three and out in the first series and I'm just sitting there crying. And everybody listening is is messaging me on Twitter. Oh, it's it gets brutal on Twitter. Everybody is is super nice to me all year long except on game days. I get so many angry tweets from, whoa, what? I thought you said so-and-so, you big dumb moron. Oh, it's going to be so easy. It's, and people are just really mad because I got their hopes up and then it didn't turn out that way. So I'm trying to get you to brace for impact a little bit. There's no guarantees here. At the end of the day, these are professional football players. From Yannick Ngakwe to Shamar Steffen to Odenigbo to Hughes and Hill, these, these are professional football players. They're good at what they do. But at the end of the day, the Packers offense on just about every level is better than, than the Vikings, with the exception of these top-tier safeties, who are pretty far away from the line of scrimmage. And as much as Zimmer can dial up a defense, at some point you just kind of there's not much you can do. And if, if Matt LaFleur is going to live up to his billing as, as a really intelligent head coach and play caller, you should be able to take advantage of this. And a lot of this does fall on Matt LaFleur um, calling the right plays at the right time to take advantage of this defense and the, and the weaknesses within this defense. And then it's just up to the Packers just executing, right? Throw the ball at the right time to the right guy and catch the ball that comes to you because somebody should be open or there should be a hole somewhere. Or, you know what I mean? Pretty straightforward. And again, it's an uphill climb for the Vikings defense, in my opinion. Now, on the flip side of things, again, kind of coming at it from the Vikings standpoint, obviously the number one emphasis that I'm going to have is running the ball. Not necessarily because I don't respect the Smiths and and, uh, Kenny Clark, but because we know that the Packers kind of, they're very inconsistent. And one of the main points of inconsistency, I'm not going to say what the national media says and that they're just horrible at playing the run, because it's not the most accurate way to say it. The Packers at times are really, really terrible in certain in certain facets. And it really is just up for the Vikings to find that that person who's having a terrible day, whether it's Kevin King or Jair or Kenny Clark, and just attack them. Because for whatever reason, guys have bad days and they're just they're garbage for that day. That's that was the problem last year. Kenny Clark just disappears or they can't stop the run. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get a heavy dose of cook especially in this game where I really want to slow things down and I don't want them to have the ball in their hands very much because I don't trust my defense. We're really going to try to slow this thing down. We're going to keep the ball out of their hands. We're going to keep the score close. Last thing we want is to play a shootout where, you know, we're going three and out or we can't do this and they end up running the score on it. If they touch the ball two times by the time halftime rolls around, worst case scenario, it's 14 nothing, and that's manageable, right? I mean, worst case scenario. So this is, this is a strong opportunity to not only find a weakness and attack the Packers' defense, but to play defense as well by just keeping the ball away from their offense. We're also going to want to really emphasize getting the ball out of Kirk Cousins' hands quickly because we know what the Smiths have done, especially Zadarius, against this offensive line. It's been an absolute nightmare. And so, you know, it's, it's hard for the, the Smiths and for Rashawn and for Kenny or whoever to tee off on Cousins if we're running the ball a lot. And, and, and honestly, I don't know that my game plan isn't let's just emulate the 49ers and prove to me, first of all, they can't be the 49ers, but you get what I'm saying. You, you have to have a good offensive line to pull that off. But, but something similar. We're just going to attack you on the ground over and 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 over until you can prove that you can stop it. Now, the benefit of the Green Bay Packers is they can stop it. 
I don't know. Well, we ran for 198 yards against you in week two, so I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, that I know. But again, it's it's missing a little bit of context. I mean, if you just look at the game in general, there were like a handful of good plays. Otherwise, the defense completely shut this team down, right? I mean, if we just look at Dalvin Cook early on, it was three yards, then 10 yards, then it was no gain, then it was three yards. Then he had a 75-yard touchdown, right? So if you if you look at just that so far, his per carry average is ridiculous. But he's not doing that much. Most of the time, he goes for three or less yards. But again, the problem is the inconsistency. Occasionally, you get these really ridiculously garbage plays where just nobody can bring the guy down. Then you get Dalvin Cook for two, Dalvin Cook for five, Dalvin Cook for three. Scroll, scroll, scroll because he never even touched the ball. Dalvin Cook for four, Dalvin Cook for no gain. Dalvin Cook for minus two, Dalvin for seven, and then three, and then nine. So again, most of these, there there was, I think, what, a a 10-yarder, a 9-yarder, and a 7-yarder on top of the 75-yarder. Every other play was three-ish. So most of the time when he ran the ball, it wasn't like it was with the 49ers where every play is just an annihilation. There were three or four above-average plays, with one of them obviously being a 75-yard scamper for a touchdown. But that's, that's different than just dominating on the ground. That's the Packers' inconsistency causing problems. So that's not going to work. You can't run the ball every time because you're going to go three and out most of the time hoping to hit that 150, 60-yard run, which you'll probably hit eventually because the Packers have been terrible against the run. Either terrible all game or at least inconsistent. But the bottom line, I'm, I'm not overly scared because the biggest way that the, the run game beats the Packers is they lose up front. Dominant offensive linemen absolutely obliterate the Packers' defensive front, and I don't think the Pack- the Vikings have that s- sort of offensive line to pull that off, at least not consistently. Occasionally, yes. Consistently, no. Meaning, they're going to have to lean on the run as well. Or the pass, I can't speak. And with Stephon Diggs being gone, that creates a problem. Because on top of the Vikings having so many great, I mean, possibly the best safety duo in football, and, you know, not great corners, but veterans that have played these guys for a long time and a great defensive front and outside of having all that they also had one of the better wide receiver duels in football and now it's Adam Thielen kind of by himself so whereas before we had to figure out who's going to be on Stefan Diggs and who's going to play against Thielen we're probably just going to take I mean this is probably what we did last year anyways I'd look it up but PFF is broken it's been broken for two days and um, got an email hey it's fixed you're good to go bud it's not fixed, you morons. It's the second time this has happened, too. It's really frustrating. I'm trying to do some stuff here and look up, actually, like, look into things and back up what I'm saying. I can't back it up. But I believe that was the case. But similar to what everyone's saying about the Packers, well, he's got one guy and then what? Well, they've got Adam Thielen, who's not as good as Devontae, who's going up against a much better corner than anybody the Vikings have. It creates problem. So, again, similar to what I said before, there's not going to be much of a pass rush, and the corners aren't there. So it's going to be tough for the Vikings to stop the passing assault. Whereas the Vikings have a capable enough quarterback, a running back that has not been a very good receiving option, tight ends that you've got Rudolph who is falling off and Smith who is yet to ascend. You've got a rookie that we don't know if he's going to be on the field very much because we like to play a lot of two wide receiver and we're not putting Justin Jefferson on the boundary, which I think they're going to have to put him out there because I think he brings a dynamic similar to putting Yannick on the right side because it's the only chance we got in terms of matchup. Justin Jefferson against um, Chandon Sullivan is probably our best chance to to have a mismatch in our favor for once because I don't see anything else in their favor. Reef and O'Neal lose the battle against Smith and Smith. 
the interior defensive line of the Packers against the interior offensive line of the Vikings is in the favor of the Packers, especially Kenny Clark against Garrett Bradbury, which was an absolute slaughter in the past. Alexander and Thielen, even if you want to give the advantage to Thielen, it's not much a one. And again, the Packers have the opportunity, the same opportunity to do what to them what they might want to do to us, which is fine. We'll have Savage or Burks or Amos or somebody kind of double up Thielen, forcing you to go to the other side. So again, I want to run the ball a lot, but we can't do it all the time. We have to find a way to throw the ball. And the best way to do that really is to just mix it up to get as many different people involved as possible. Because again, all I'm trying to do is poke and prod and find that one little mismatch, right? If we can get Kyle Rudolph to go up against Christian Kirksey and that's just a good matchup, we're just going to keep doing it. Force them to take Amos off of Thielen and put Amos on Rudolph. And then we got single high and maybe we'll try to get somebody to attack the middle of the, you know, deep down the field. I don't know. But we, the bottom line is we have to be smarter than the Packers because we're not more talented than the Packers. We're just not in really any facet, right? Their wide receivers against our corners, it's advantage Packers corners. Their tight ends against our linebackers, maybe that's advantage to their their tight ends, probably, but we went out and made a change at linebacker and got more athletic. I mean, Kirksey and Berksey, as much as they might struggle in certain facets of the game, and we'll see what they can do against the run, they're much more athletic linebackers. That was the whole goal of this. So for the Packers' point of view, very similar to the offense, it's really just about limit mistakes. You're better than they are. You're going to get your opportunities to go get cousins. Play assignment sure. Play smart. Cover your gaps. Make your tackles. Keep everything in front of you. You know, give up the eight-yard play if it, if it means not giving up the 40-yard play. Live to fight another day because that's how we lose this game is with mistakes. You know, you start getting snapped, f- uh, f- fumble, snap, whatever. I'm trying to, I just got a flashback of a game. I don't remember if it was one that we played last year and, and won or whatever, but... I feel like it was against the Vikings, I don't know, but early on, you're feeling real good about it, you're ready to go, and and right out of the gate, the Packers fumble the ball, and I think it was the Vikings got the ball, like, right on the end zone, got an easy layup touchdown, it's like, well, that's, now, we, you know, all this hype, and all this excitement, and all this stuff about, oh, man, we're going to win, and this is how we're going to win, and and you don't account for the fumbled snap on the four-yard line, so that that's it, It's it's just don't play horribly, and stay healthy, and we get a W, and we move on to week two. That's really it. And and Vikings fans won't agree with that. Vikings fans will say that's not true. We're the better team. I, I don't care, man. Cool. You're much better. Fine. Go out and just dominate then. I don't know what you're talking about or where you're seeing that. You didn't dominate when you had Stephon Diggs and Thielen, but somehow Diggs has gone, and now Ola B.C. Johnson and Thielen are going to tear us up. Oh, okay. Amos and Savage in their second year. Rashawn and Zadarius and Preston in their second year. I just I just bet. You're going to be even better. Advantage Vikings this time. Despite the fact that our offense got worse and your defense is getting better, somehow we're now going to... Okay, yep, got it, cool. Best of luck to you. But, I mean, that that's more or less it. And in terms of specific strategies for the Packers, I can't really think of anything. I mean, I, again, when you look at the Packers on offense, part of me wants to simply say that, well, we should just run the ball heavy because they can't stop it. But on the other hand, it's like, why don't we just throw the ball because they can't? So it, it kind of just doesn't matter. It's just play your game the way that you would, just kind of, you know, baseline, this is our offense, we're just going to run our offense. Whereas you might tweak it based on an opponent. I don't think we have to tweak anything. Just run what you run and be willing and ready to make adjustments based on anything that comes up. Having a hard time against this, or we're having a real good match up here, just keep exploiting it, whatever. But I can't think of like one thing where it's like, we got to do a heavy dose of this, right? Again, Heavy to the right side where Yannick is, it serves two purposes by keeping him away from Rodgers as well as making the the heavy side of our run offense against the weak side of their run defense 
And if I had to choose, I would say I would really like to run at Yannick as much as possible, not only because it's a good idea, but because Vikings fans are just overjoyed with this elite player that they acquired that they think is just going to cover the the fact that they lost three starting really top-tier defensive players along the defensive line. They think that he's going to do well enough. And for him to be the source of their frustration would just make me so happy. And again, defensively, I, I, I feel like I'm okay with being aggressive out of the gate. That may come back to bite us, but I just I feel like if everybody does their job, we should be able to be aggressive, meaning bring the heat, overwhelm this offensive line, and if it starts to bite us that they're just throwing over our heads or everything, fine, we start to back off. But, but how nice would it be to start off the game with a touchdown and then come back and just, just dominate this, this offense? They can't throw. They can't run. Cousins is running for his life. All right, let's just let's let's try to be a dominant Super Bowl caliber team out of the gate. And if we got to reel it back, we'll reel it back. But let's not start conservative. Let's start aggressive. Let's start as though we actually believe in this defense. Let's start as though we believe Zadarius and Preston and Rashawn and Kenny Clark are just going to absolutely annihilate this offensive line and wreck Kirk Cousins' world. Let's believe that we can stop the run even while we're being aggressive against Cousins. Let's believe that Jair on an island can dominate Adam Thielen and Kevin King has no problem against Johnson leaving Savage and Amos to be able to handle whatever duties we want to give them. If we want to blitz Savage, we blitz Savage. If we want to blitz Burks and Kirksey or whatever, we do it. Let's believe that this is one of the best defenses in football. Let's believe this is one of the best offenses in football and let's go out and play like it. Chiefs don't play scared because they're not scared because they know that they're dominant. That's why on fourth down, they just laugh. They don't even consider it. They go for it and then they convert it because of course we're going to convert it. There's no doubt they're getting touchdowns. There's no doubt they're converting fourth downs. There's no doubts anywhere. They just go out and play and dominate. And I'd like to see that from the Packers on offense and defense because they have the ability to to make claims to both of those offensively and defensively. The Chiefs, I don't think, can say that about their defense. The Packers can. they got to believe it and they got to execute it because as much as they have the talent, they don't play up to their talent a lot of the times. Right? You'll have Zadarius play a great game and then Jair has a terrible game and gives up 200 yards through the air. That's got to stop. Or Savage misses a tackle that, that causes a 75-yard time. I'm, I'm making that up. I don't know if that's what happened. But somebody messed up, probably multiple people, if you got a running back going for 75 yards. Let's come into this expecting domination. And at the end of it, let's be happy with a win. <laughs> but I, I do. I do. I think, I think this team is just heads and tails better than the Vikings. I think they have the ability to make a statement here. I think the Packers want to make a statement. I think they've been equally as frustrated, probably more so, because they're literally talking about them. Um and, and ready to just to, to put a stamp on this. And there's a lot of motivation. Not only are, is Zadarius been underrated and underappreciated, Preston's been underrated and underappreciated. Kenny Clark doesn't get any respect. Nobody talks about him being an impact, right? The Packers are supposedly going to lose this game. Why? Apparently Clark and Zadarius and Preston don't mean anything. Rashawn is, is motivated about as much as anybody. Jair and, and Kevin King are out there trying to prove they're the best corners in football. They have the talent. They got to put it on paper, man. It's got to show up on the stat sheet at some point, and this is a great opportunity with a weakened wide receiver group. Aaron Rodgers obviously has a lot to prove again, like he has the last two years. Devontae's been getting better every single year. Alan Lazard is seen as a joke. Even his own fan base doesn't want him. They say they do, but then they also come out of the, the other side of their mouth and say that we should have gotten Aaron Rodgers' help because he doesn't have anybody. MVS, EQ, who's just coming off an injured season, wants to prove he can be the number two guy on this team. Aaron Jones, who's trying to fight for his life to stay on this team. A.J. Dillon, who's trying to fight for a job on this team. Wasn't that true of the Vikings, too? No, everybody got paid, right? Kendricks got locked up. Barr got locked up. 
All these guys, all they got to do is breathe on this defense. And Zimmer's like, I need him. Thielen got massively overpaid. They kept him. They wanted to keep Diggs. He had to force his way. If you want to get off the Vikings, you got to force your way off. Vikings are expected to win this game. They're the worst team. And they're ex- they're not even, I don't even know if they're the second best team in the division. And they're seen as the division champions and they're going to win this game. So I don't, I don't know that you can make the they have a chip on their shoulder two argument as easily as you can with the Packers, who just have to endure two years of off-season drama. Like Aaron Rodgers said, hashtag friendship goals to his coach, therefore he hates Matt LaFleur, right? That's what the Packers have to put up with. The Vikings don't put up with that. They're the best team in the division, despite the fact that they got smoked last year, 0-2 against the Bears, 0-2 against the Packers, got infinitely worse. Nobody wants to acknowledge that. They they get some guy named Yannick Ngakwe, who hasn't been good in three years, pay him $12 million. Everyone says he's the greatest thing in the world, and there's no problem. The, the, the Vikings have one of the best pass rush duo, the, the, one of the best duos at every level. The pass rushers, the linebackers, the safeties, they're an, 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 an unstoppable defense. Yeah, I don't think they have a chip. I think they're being lulled to sleep, and I think they're going to get smacked in the mouth. That's what I, I don't I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. Anyways, I don't know how I made it this far without uh, everybody waking up, but uh, might as well quit while I'm ahead. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Saturday. Tomorrow I will plan to look a little bit more broadly at the rest of the games in the NFL, but um, that's it, man. We got uh, a little over 24 hours and we got kickoff, so have a good day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.